Welcome to the Uncultured Bias Podcast. My name is Kamara Williams. I'm your host. On the show, we say that culture is a matter of perspective and opinion. After all, culture is just another way to say discovered. We are uncultured, we are biased, and we are black. Now, if you're just tuning in for the first time, you know that occasionally I have my friends on from time to time because, quite frankly, my wife doesn't want to talk to me unfiltered for 50 minutes straight. Uh, before we start, I just want to remind everybody to subscribe, subscribe, subscribe to this podcast on both Apple and Spotify. And be sure to visit my website, kamarawilliams.com, where I have an active blog that oftentimes will go will oftentimes provide filler on that week's episode or sometimes just cover topics that I didn't get to mention or just happen to be in the news. They're, uh, most likely they're topical. I wanted to expound upon this because most times uh, the podcast may not cover everything, but the blog will. And it's a, it's a space for loyal listeners to request certain topics that they would like to see covered on future episodes. This podcast today, we're going to be talking about the movie American Skin. And joining us in that conversation are two of my really good friends. Uh, you've heard one of them before, uh, uh, Robert Foster. So say what's up, Rob. What up, what up? Right. Happy to be back. Happy to be back. Happy back. Yep. Um, as you guys recall, he was on our other podcast talking about uh, the movie uh, One Night in Miami. If you haven't checked that out, please go check that out. It was a really good discussion. And our second friend is another one of our people. It's in our circle. Um, first time on the podcast, uh, Mr. Howard Purnell. Greetings. All right, greetings. let's give an applause for Howard Purnell. You know? <laughs> Yo. Yes. I love it. I love it. Birthday energy. Today is my birthday as well. Yes, so today is yeah. his birthday. <laughs> today is his birthday. He, is, he has blessed us with his birthday present okay, on so, this pod today. So so listen, Howard doesn't know this, but um, this is not going to be, this wasn't a part of the show, but it, today is his birthday, right? Yeah, yeah. And sure. a year ago on his birthday, we took him out. I took him out. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And I'm going to recall to the audience what happened that night. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yes, yes. Let's do it. Hey, you got to give us some content. Listen, you got to give us some content. Listen, so first I, of all, Howard and it Rob. Epic. It was so epic. Pre-COVID. Howard and pre-COVID. Uh, Howard and Rob are, you yeah, said, we're a close friendship circle, right? And um, so Howard, he actually, uh, I remember... Last year, he asked me, so yeah, I'm going to go out for my birthday. He sounded depressed. Mm-hmm. I, was. I was like, all right, man, you know what? Let me go ahead and just take this dude out for his birthday. Mm-hmm. Let me let me go ahead and bless him a little bit. No doubt. Right? So I take this guy out, and I'm like, all right. We go out to the first club. We go to three, We go to one of three clubs that night. Wow. And um, you can tell when somebody ain't never been out for a long time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this, <laughs> You can tell, like, they just don't know how to act. Like, they don't really know. And I didn't know this. That's my, it's my fault. Mm -hmm. I blamed myself the entire night because I didn't put in the realm that he wasn't prepared for the night scene, right? He wasn't prepared for the streets. (laughs) Literally. And and so we get to a first first spot. You know what I mean? It's cool. I mean, he's, you know, I'm, again, it's on me. So I'm getting him drinks the first night, first, first place, right? It's really when we get to the second spot where I'm actually I meet up with people, and you know off the GP of me, they let us in the the they let us in, and then we get to a certain section, mm-hmm. and yep. they're buying him drinks, they're buying Howard drinks. Yes, yeah. Now I'm watching because I know how to control myself, pace myself throughout the <laughs> night. I'm not even having, even though people are offering me drinks, 
And if we're in the section, I'm like, it's cool. He's turning them down. Left I'm turning right. them down the entire night. Or or you were giving them to me. I was giving them to you. He, oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. That's what, that's what it was. <laughs> you kept giving me those drinks you were getting to me. And I'm getting shots. So it was like double time, double time. People were blessing him that night bruh, off the GP of me, bruh, right? Oof. And, you know, they're like, oh, you Kamara's friend? Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Like, pour up, man. Pour up, right? Right. So I'm like, all right. <clears throat> oh, man. You know, it's cool. We're just chilling, right? We get to the third spot. Again, uh, I think Frat was was hosting. So, yep. again, we have we get linked up again. Yep. We kind of, you know, we're getting... Again, Howard's Walk just happened. right in through the door. Walk Frat right through the door. It was we, party. He yeah, was like, we just, hey, come on through. Listen, again, we're in a nice little section. Howard is getting lit. <laughs> At this point, I start to get worried. Because Howard doesn't really know how to control his liquor. Right? But I'm like, all right, it's his birthday. The problem in the night was... We've been to three spots now, right, Rob? Yep. But the yep. three spots. We get out the we get out to the third spot. We're walking. We're about three hundred. Well, could I could I just say before you decimate my whole character on, on this real quick? <laughs> and, and, and it's well it's well deserved. It is well deserved because it's it's a trip. It's going. This story plays out so great. I have to say, I, I lived in that third spot especially because there was a group of uh, people there. And a lot of, you know, women were, you know, with their own little group. Okay, we don't um, have to get into that. But I was just saying, but I mean. Listen, listen. Just the fact that I was making sure everybody had a, a good time. Okay, and everybody knew you were having a good All time. Right, yes, oh, yeah, yes. and plus, you know, he, he ended up uh, uh, pulling a hookah down. And did I? Yes, you did. <laughs> what? Yes, you did. Still don't remember. Still this part, well, okay. yeah, yeah. It was, it was just a night. It was a night. You, where Frat was looking at me like, what? Like, get him out of here. So at that point, I was yeah. At that point, I was gone. Yeah, we point. had to leave. We were getting ready to leave because Frat was like, you were in a section and you pulled. You were so aggressively drunk. Wow. That you pulled the hookah and then they're looking at me like, uh, who's gonna pay for that? And I'm like, I ain't paying for that. Wow. So, so I was like, wow. yeah, I was, I was gone at that point. Yeah, you were. That point, it was done. You were gone. You were embarrassing me. <laughs> that's, why to, that's why we had to leave, right? Because I was like, I'm not going to pay for no three hundred dollar hook. It was one of them big ones too. Dang. And yeah, you pulled it, and so you were, all, you were on one. So wow. I mean, that really wasn't the thing. All right, you were drunk and embarrassing. It that goes with the, that's par for the course, right? Here we go, though. So then we're walking to the car. What about? I've made it through three spots, three spots, and I'm actually just, you know, I, I with 300 meters from my car, and then Howard does the unthinkable. <clears throat> what did I step in your shoe first? Though you stepped on my motherfucking shoes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> game over. I have made it through three <laughs> nights, three clubs. Nobody stepped on my shoe. <laughs> But Howard, I was following him, and he had stopped and slowed no, down. No, I didn't. I, just... st- I didn't. You were fumbling and stumbling. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you stepped on my shoe. So right. now you know that's a cardinal sin for a black man. So, for real. You, uh, yo, Howard, I think Howard sobered up for a split second because he saw the. You, you gave me that look, bro. I, I was about remember, to fire off on you, bro. That's why I remember because I saw a look. <laughs> I knew the spotty, you know, the, the senses. I had to look like, okay, I'm in danger. <laughs> Wait, so Cam, Cam, let let them know what what you have on. What, what were you rocking? Oh, I was rocking some uh, electric yellow Air Force Ones. Yes, right. Oh. So you yes. know, right. So I was like, all right. 
I was about to, I was about through at that point. I couldn't wait to get this Negro he home. Was ready. I was ready because it was about. To, we were about how if on the strength of our friendship, I didn't, I didn't want to punch you in the face. In, in our brotherhood, brotherhood. I, but I, yeah. I wanted if I didn't, if I didn't know you, yes, it would have been done. I would have been done. I would have punched you in the face and left me out there and left you. I would have stole you for real, right? That's how angry I was, right? Because once you step on somebody's shoes, that ain't you can Ooh. never wear them again. Oh man. Right, keep it in mind. So then I'm like, all right, now we get to the, we get them in the car. Now I'm being aggressive with them. I'm like, get your ass in the car. He was, right? yeah. get your ass in the car. We going home. Yep. He was like, I think he wanted to go somewhere else. I said, like, no, mm-hmm. we going straight home. Yep. I didn't care. I was like, we are going. We are headed straight home. So then, and I'm going back under now at this point. So, I'm so like, he's <laughs> leaning back in my car. <laughs> I already know. He's leaning back in my car, right? And. He says, oh, the air, I think he said, the, what is it, the air, just, it feels so good. And in my, mm-hmm. my mind, I'm like, that's a lot of drunk talk talking from you. Something's not right. So I'm like, I'm gunning it now. I'm gunning it, trying to get his ass home. And the car smells so good. It was brand new. You know? Right? It was, a brand, it was my brand new car, right? So then. <laughs> brand new truck. Brand new Lexus truck, you know? So I'm like, all right. Then. Oh, you had just gotten it clean. That's what it was. Oh, right. Yes. But hold up. So, yes. So then this man gets up like the exorcist and starts vomiting in my fucking car. Did I try to, did I try to at least, well, no. No. It came out and nowhere. And I said, and I said, it came out of nowhere. Yo, yeah. I tried to I hold promise it in. you, I pulled over so quick and I put my back to his, I put my foot to his back and I kicked him out the car. Straight up. Straight, my foot you, was on his back. You reached yeah. over, opened the door. Over his open door and I and put then my push. I was out the car. Yeah. I pushed you out. I, I kicked you out the car, yeah. like literally. Yes. You like, did. I kicked him out the car and he's vomiting. Yeah. I, the- <laughs> I, I didn't even feel I thought I got out of my own I didn't even feel any of that I was literally just like Okay good The door's open But I remember you reached over got the, I couldn't get it open Remember Yes yes I was struggling <laughs> You were struggling To get my car Throwing up in me Meanwhile I was throwing up in my car Bruh. Struggling Throwing up all in my car then, All those drinks So he's, th- he's on the side He's dying So many drinks I was about to, I wanted again Now I'm I'm, I'm contemplating do I kick this motherfucker's ass? <laughs> like, like it's like two in the morning, side of the road. I'm trying to figure out, like, what am I going to do with him? Do I take him home? Man. Do I leave him here in the streets? There was nothing I could do. Do I, I just... like what am I going to do? Because I'm at I'm at a wit's end at this point, <laughs> right? It, so how how did we come up with the whole cleaning? Aspect? Oh it, no, we're going to get to okay, that point. Right, so then, you see, I'm trying to fast forward. So then, <laughs> so embarrassed. So then. <laughs> I contemplate. He's like, "Oh, Cam, I'm so hurt." I'm like, "Dog, the look on my face was like, you was done." I was like, "Man, he if you done. stay, dog." I, he got in the car. I, I said, "Howard," because he wanted to talk to me about the night. I said, "Howard, I just need you. I promise you, say don't say not one motherfucking word." Yes. If you say another word, I am going to kick you out this car. Just be quiet. I want peace. Give me peace. Don't say nothing because I promise you, I don't want to hear zip. It was so epic. I want to talk about it. So I little I get home, I get him home, and then I I push him out the car, mm-hmm. right? Probably and he's is. sitting on the, he's sitting on the curb. Yeah. Oh, but guess what I did though, Rob? <laughs> I made sure he cash apped me. He was like, and he was so drunk he couldn't be fumbling over the yeah. phone. I said, no, no, I'm gonna help you out, Playboy. Yeah, yeah. So I, get, I took his hand. <laughs> yeah, you did. I took his hand and made sure his fingerprints and made sure right. he was <laughs> Un- unlock the phone. Unlock the phone. <laughs> 
but that was another <laughs> moment, another moment where I literally sobered up just to get that done because I was done. Yeah. I don't know how I and got I put my in the amount. I said yep. you're gonna cash that yep. be a hundred and fifty dollars. Like, how much I need, bro? How much you need? <laughs> just let, let's get that. I feel so bad. I was oh like, God. And so, oh my God. And so horrible. the next morning, I, I'm the first thing in the morning, seven in the morning, I find my ass at a car wash and I said, give me the works, shampoo the carpets, detail my car, and I'm still heated. And who would I call, who did I call that first thing in the morning, Rob? Wait, wait, wait. But before, you called me. He called you and I recounted the story. So did he describe to you though how it smelled? Cause he said, oh, you it, know. It, <laughs> listen, he called, so here I am, first thing in the morning. Seven in the morning. Seven in the morning, I get this call from Cam. I'm thinking, like, what's the emergency? Like, oh, shoot, why is he calling me at seven in the morning? And he said, your boy. Your MFing, your MFing boy. <laughs> and he recounts, I am at the, I, why am I getting my car detailed right now because of this MFer? <laughs> And he recounted that whole story and just swore and, and cursed and hey, listen, <laughs> let it oh, air man. out. Listen, and I promise you, Howard, oh, I promise man. you, this that was the last time, the first and last time I'll ever take you out for your birthday. I was wondering why I didn't get an invite this year. I was yeah, like, I was, you were wondering why I didn't get You were like, tagging me. Like, you're like, hey, it's my birthday. I was like, oh, you better find somebody I else. Like, well, I know it's COVID, so we probably can't do too much. I'm just chalking up. <laughs> Oh, in honor of your birthday, yes, sir. Is the I'm wearing the sh- very shoes. That's what I thought. Yes, that you. The, <laughs> since the last thought, since the since the first and last time since you scuffed them, Bruh. I was like, let me break them. I haven't worn them in a year. Hold up again. Let's see. I haven't worn these shoes in a year, and this is the first time <laughs> that I have worn these shoes. <laughs> Since you scuffed them, I mean, obviously I've cleaned them, but you know, it, yeah. once you once you yeah. scuff a shoe, you can never wear it again. It's, it's like, like glow in the dark. Yeah, so you, you know, know, you know, I took a pick, Rob. Yeah, and so anyway, I, happy yep. birthday, man. Uh, yes. I know that was a long story, but you know, it's my podcast, and I wanted to celebrate you and honor you by telling the crowd just how you know how much of a clown you were that night. Yes. So anyway, <laughs> I, hey, it was all epic. You got to take the good and the bad, you know, but that was I I still appreciate that. Listen, man, listen. Uh I wanted to start the show off with some levity. So, you know, cuz we're going to get on to the serious topic. Mm-hmm. Uh again, this show is going to be talking about um the movie American Skin. Yes. And uh you know, what I'm going to do with that is I'm going to actually play an opening, or well not opening, I'm going to play a scene in the movie. Uh, it's, I thought it was one of the better scenes. There's a lot of great scenes in the movie, but I'm going to play a scene in the movie that I thought was um, just a beautifully laid out scene. So, here we go. You have thoughts, Jordan? I mean, I'm not sure we're going to get anywhere if everyone doesn't contribute and add something here. I grew up middle class. I actually have an uncle who was a cop. And I believe a good man, so... um, I've been a little um, conflicted. It's hard for me to believe that all cops are bad. Do I think that police have a dangerous job? Of course. Do I think that Officer Randall woke up that morning thinking about killing someone's kid? No. Can I say without a shadow of a doubt that 
race was the driving force around Kajani Jefferson being killed? I don't know. I look around this precinct and I see stickers and, and banners that say back the blue and support our police. Things left over from the backlash of Kajani getting killed, but I haven't seen anything acknowledging that a kid lost his life. You know, a, a citizen who, who was expected to be a patriot. How can anyone who has this, this history of pain and poverty and subjugation be expected to be a patriot, proud to be an American, only to be shot down because of their American skin? And how can anyone patriotic ignore these killings and yet, and yet pride themselves on, on being a part of a great nation? Great nations aren't great because they oppress, but because they liberate. Not because they kill, but because they heal. Police and soldiers should be the gatekeepers of that truth and should protect it with their lives. Fuck, man, this fucking sucks. Yo, that was a bar. Yeah. Wow. That was a bar. You know, I listen, I don't even know what to say. Like that was in fact, in fact what I'm going to say is this. Yeah, now listen. That's called motherfucking bars. Yes. Mm, right. That was that was a motherfucking right. bar, right? <clears throat> Um, the entire movie though was just dropping some some science, you know. I mean, I mean, let's just talk about some impactful scenes. Uh, I'll start off with you, Rob. Uh, you know, what yeah. are, what are some um, of the scenes that you felt like were just really, you know, in, impactful or just drove some things home to you? So, um, and just for the audience to know, so what you have, we, all three of us are fathers. Yep. Yeah. Um. Kamar with two daughters and Howard and I both have a son, uh, very close to the same age, uh, still elementary school age at this time, but you know, they're going to be preteens pretty soon. And so when I looked at this movie and then one of the scenes that really stood out to me was just the opening scene and how it played out and how the officers, you know, approached the car because they felt like they were in the wrong neighborhood. Why is this car? Why are these black, this black man, this black boy in this neighborhood? And insanity ensues. And the part that always sticks out to me is when Nate is hemmed up on the car by one officer and his son is recording the other officer with his phone. And he just profoundly screams, put the phone down, son. Put the phone down, son. Because he knows what's about to happen if he doesn't put that phone down. And in Nate's mind, he knows, God, he's going to shoot him. He's going to shoot him. Put the phone, just with all his soul, put the phone down, son. It's not worth it. And meanwhile, Kajani is sitting there and, you know, he's still, you know, Generation Z, 
um, cell phone yep. um, era. And he's like, I, mean, I need to get this. I need to catch this. I am. We are being done wrong right now, and I need to catch this. And I just put myself and my son in that situation, and it hurt. It really hurt because I could see myself screaming profoundly at my son and please in begging and hoping that he just put the phone down and just let the cops safely pull him out of the car and we just make it to the, to the station alive. That's all I want. We'll get our time. I just need you to make it to the station alive. Um, so yes, so that, that, was the first thing that's the first thing that always pops into my mind when um when thinking about this movie now yeah you know um i'll give you give you a second to respond howard but i just you're good no go ahead one of the reasons why i wanted to have this podcast with you guys uh not only because we're obviously we're close friends but because of the nature of what you guys represent, you guys are black fathers with raising young black sons. And this is how I wanted to structure this podcast to really get from the point of view. Cause I, I mean, I'm raising two daughters and this is just as important, right? Sure. For sure. Um, but definitely, it's, definitely. it's particularly triggering for those who may have young sons or sons in general. And that fear of not being able to control, like you, you spend your entire life trying to protect them, mm-hmm. trying to guard them, trying to, you know, honor them with, you know, wisdom. And yet in this one particular instance, it's out of your hands, it's out of your control. And right. that is a very scary thing for all parents, right? Just not for this black father, but just for all parents, not being able to control the things that, you know, can really harm them. And I think that is one of the most scary parts about interactions between black people and um, law enforcement is the nature of the uncontrollable. Right, so that is something I, why I wanted to have this this podcast. Um, Howard, what did, what did you think? What were some th- <clears throat> scenes that you felt like it just really was like, man, or well, hit home, or maybe that that scene? I don't well, know. Just to speak about that scene, because obviously that scene was just un, you know unforgettable. Unforgettable. Um, and I'm literally, I have my laptop open. I'm I'm literally just playing the trailer of the movie over and over and over. And so you see that scene, you see that scene going back and forth, back and forth. So as I have my laptop open, we're talking, I'm listening, I'm playing it, and I'm just seeing that scene again, right? And the feeling of how I watched it when I first saw it, the helplessness that you felt, right, um, as a father. And like you said, Rob, when he, the father, you know, Link, was up against, up against the, uh, you know, car, and he's watching his son, he knows the full danger of what they both are in, his son absolutely does not know um this is a struggle that i have a lot with my son going forward current day when i'm describing to him a lot of different things of like listen this is why i'm telling you to do certain things i'm preparing you i'm putting you in a position to understand um so when you fast forward to even the scene when i did a flashback and the you know the son was working his computer doing a facetime or a video chat with his friend and, you know, Link walks in, dad walks in. Oh, wait, what did you just say about the police? And, oh, well, you know, it's illegal to, you know, I have rights. And this, that, the other, he's trying to explain. And he was like, you have rights, but not necessarily for you, if you will. Oh, let's let's talk about that. I actually Ooh. have that scene. I have that scene. Really? 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah, cool. yeah. Great. That, that was going to be the next scene I wanted to talk about as well. All right. Yeah. So let me, let me go ahead and cue that on. Cue that up. Oh, he's crazy, right, Mr. Link? I mean, he's technically right. Technically. Well, yes, in theory. But, but the I mean, law is the law. A citizen illegally arrested cannot initiate the use of force. They neither do words alone justify an assault. However, when the officer initiates the assault by physical contact, All right, which is listen to me. Case, what I'm trying to there's tell you, an unlawful there's arrest. A difference. There's a citizen has a right to protect his liberty. Look, the stop. All right, killing the stop. Officer. Don't say those words. All right, don't even think them. Hey, um, he back later. No, no, stay on, Johnny. You need to hear this too. Citizens have rights, yes. There are all kinds of laws and documents and cases that say so, but the citizens they're talking about don't always look like us, especially not to the police. But the Supreme Court... I understand that. What you need to understand is those laws weren't written with us in mind. And anyone that tells you different is either white or just lucky they haven't had to put it to the test yet. So I'm just supposed to forget everything you ever told me about self-respect and dignity and standing up for what I believe in? Yes, yes. If it means you coming home to me safely, absolutely. I know it doesn't make sense to you now, but one day when you have kids, it'll be crystal clear. Trust me. Look at me. When you're dealing with the police, you don't think of laws. You don't think of rights. None of that. You just do whatever they say. Their way. All right? That way you will live. You can live to make it home to me. You understand? You know, Jesus, you know, that scene is really interesting. For it's me. beautifully played out. It is Man, beautifully played it's out. Perfect. It's perfect. And, and I say that, I say that it's beautifully played out because I promise you, and I know you all will agree, I have played that scene out in my mind a thousand times. Yeah. I have played that scene as far as at least a version of that during all the race riots and everything that's been going on in this country, um, you know, I've I've played out how that conversation. I think that's what that's what it is. It's that conversation that a black father has to have with their black children. But you know what's interesting though, Rob? What's interesting is that I, what I love about that is is what's interesting about the scene is that he's describing to his son how the rights don't apply, mm-hmm. but you know, but he misses something, right? Because he also doesn't talk about, it, and I thought it was very descriptive. Because before that scene, the um, interviewer asked him, "Did you talk to him about the police?" And yes, he did, but he didn't tell him when you are pulled over, keep your hands where they can see them, don't do any sudden movements, don't move, don't move. Like he doesn't tell him that. He just tells him the rights don't apply. So in a way, it's like it's a shame because he was telling he was preparing him but it's like it's it's whack because it's like he almost had to prepare him to a t gotta walk him through it walk him through it and it's not that's not it's not his fault it's not even his fault his son died but it's like that is the burden of black parentage we have to walk them through the scenario beat by beat in order to let them see how to get let them come home because he says he's like i just want you to come home and as a lawyer i'm sitting there it's it's troubling for me because he's saying what he's saying is right and wrong at the same time. He's saying that the rules don't apply, you know, they're not the rules are not don't apply to us. 
it, it takes it strips your manhood away. It strips your humanity. Yeah, yeah. Your humanity yes, away. Bro. Because you're saying yes. the rules don't apply to us. Yes. But you're also saying what you're saying is correct. Right. You know, because you're right, the rules don't apply, but they they should. Mm-hmm. You know, they should apply. I, go ahead. I, I've had that conversation with, with Amari, with my son. Um, my son's in the other room now. We were biking today and um, you know, spent the morning with him doing some some bike riding. But he's in the other room, you know, can't necessarily hear what we're talking about. But I've had that conversation. And but what you're saying, I think about, well, dang, I what didn't I do? What haven't I done yet? You know what? Before we even leave today, this parking lot, I might have to actually sit here and show him. I've actually been in the car, pulled over with him in a vehicle. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and he was in the back seat. But I mean, I just let him see how calm I was. He didn't say anything. He didn't react. Uh, but of course he told his mom as soon as we got, <laughs> daddy was pulled over, you know, yeah. but you know, but I mean, um, speeding in 25 and whatever, yeah. but, um, just the fact that you have to have that conversation and I have to do it again and I have to go back over it. And I know, I can't even recall how that conversation even went, what questions, but just the difficulty of it all. But I remember explaining it to some other people, um, some coworkers who, obviously do not look like me and had no clue that we actually even have that conversation and why we do it and why it's important. They looked at me like deer in the headlights. Like, what are you talking about? You know, it's interesting that, and that also in that scene, which was like, Rob, it was so beautiful because he, he's talking to his friend. Yeah. And then the dad says, because it's a community thing now, right? The dad says, yeah. no, you need to stay on this. for yes. this. Like, don't hang up. Yeah. I want you to hear this too. Because, as it stated, uh, another part in the scene, like they're all our babies. You know, I yep. was I was there for the birth of both your sons. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, wow. and you know, they're ostensibly they're still they're like my children as well. Ten years ago, you know, and um, I have my nephew here. Uh, he's in he's in the studio with us. Mm-hmm. What are you twenty one now? Twenty one. Say say what's up, Malik. I heard that. Yeah, and so um, he just here observing, but Malik is like a son to me. Yeah, you know, and yeah. I'm I wanted him here today because there are people in your life that you want to make sure that um, you do everything you can to prepare them and get them ready for the world. And I, my heart would break, crushed if any of them, you know, Amari. Ryan, Malik, or anybody really would perish at the hand of police because, you know, and and it's not something we haven't, we haven't talked about, you know what I mean? Like they weren't even aware. And it's like, it's still, even when you talk about it, it may not be enough. It's not enough, but I I just feel, go ahead, Rob. And and, and I, I agree wholeheartedly. Um, If I ever came across and heard Ryan on the, um, on a call with one of his friends and their African-American father came up and started having that conversation. I'm like, you stay on that call. Right. Yep. Stay, stay right there. Yep. Listen, I want you, and I want you to listen intently. Um, for Kajani, I feel for the kid. I felt for the kid because in his mind, you see this bright yeah. young man. Wow. He's thinking logically, right? Yeah. He's thinking, he's thinking in logic. He's thinking, this is what the law says. This is what you taught me, dad, about standing up for myself, having pride, 
having self-esteem in how to be a man. In your in in his mind, God bless him, he looks at his dad with this innocence in his eyes, like, did you lie to me? Right, right. Yeah. Did you lie to me? Why did you are you right. Yeah. Are you contradicting everything you said? And without having to come up with an excuse or anything, Nate just flat out says, Yes. Okay. Damn it. Yes. <laughs> in this moment and and in that juncture, I just need you to come home to me, son. I just need you to come home. That's it. I said that's the ultimate objective. I just need you to come home. I don't care. I don't care about all that stuff. I just want you to come home. I, I if you, if you guys, do what they say. Man. If you guys allow me, I, I want to kind of uh, tell you guys a story. I, you guys have heard me say this, but I want to tell the audience Definitely. and describe um, the, the experience I had with law enforcement. Um, it was early on in my legal career, and I was leaving downtown. My office was downtown at the time, and I was going through an area through downtown, which wasn't great, but I was doing a cut in the back road. Ivory was home with our first child. She had just been born, so Ivory was on maternity leave. I remember I was on the phone with her, and uh, I make a right turn onto uh, OBT, getting ready to head through a, uh, uh, get onto the interstate that was uh, close to it. Next thing I know, I see these officers. It's about five five forty. Still, It's still bright enough, right? But they come bearing down, and aggressively, and they come bearing down on me. And I'd say, oh, I'm about to get pulled over. But I still wasn't nervous, but I saw that the aggressiveness was they were driving towards me. I was like, okay, let me just be cool, right? I pull over, pull to the side, and they immediately come to my car. My both my wind, uh, not mind you, my car literally has nothing in it. It's just my briefcase. I'm in, I'm in a suit and tie. My, my well, my jacket's above, on uh, on my seat, draped over my seat. Yeah, yeah. But I, I have my tie on, and my briefcase is on the passenger seat. So just off of that alone, just looking at that, you would see that I am clearly. Some type of business professional. Correct. Right? So all my windows are down. That's one thing I know. When the officers are pulling you over, all your because uh, my windows are tinted, all your windows need to be down. Mm. Right? I also so they have, can see. They can the, see inside the car. Yep. Get a good, exactly. Right? Mm. That's interesting. And so I also have my driver's license and my registration in my hand, and my hand is at 10 and 2 on the steering wheel. So they see my hands and they have my information, right? But even with that said, before they even gotten out, they come and they had their guns drawn at me. One on one side of the the passenger window and the other one on the other side. Now, mind you, I'm still on the phone because Ivory's like, don't come off the phone. I tell her, I said, babe, they've got their their guns out. I see them approaching the car with their guns out. And she's like, she's yelling, don't, don't come off the phone. I'm nervous now. The baby's crying because all she hears is her her mom screaming, right? I'm hearing my wife scream. I'm hearing the baby scream, and I'm trying to be calm. These officers ask me, like, where are you coming from? Where are you going? 
And I'm saying, yeah, officer, I'm literally just coming from work. And I'm just like, I, I'm saying I'm just coming from work. I have my, and I try to, I have my license. I have my registration. You know, it's right here in my hand. And then, you know, they take my, they take my license registration, but they're saying they're, at the same time, the officer's gun is still pointed Six inches from my face. In their voices, they were already at 10. They were already already at a 10. And I'm trying to be calm. Aggressive. Because my wife is yelling on the phone. Wow. You know? And I'm trying... All I want to do is go home. I'm not thinking about laws. I'm not thinking about trying to flex on them with my legal expertise. Right? right? I didn't want to talk to them about, you know, the scenario of, hey, you know... It would, did it take all this for like for a traffic stop? Right, right. And I don't care about all that. I just want to go home, and I'm scared. I am so I'm terrified. So they, the officer has his gun drawn in the passenger window. He, the one who takes my license, he holsters his gun, but hmm. the other one still has his gun in, and he's looking through my car the entire time. The, I could see him looking through my car. And again, they said, "Where are you come from?" I said, "I said literally just work a work around the corner. I'm going home." And in my mind, I'm like, "You you can see this? Like, what are you right. talking of about?" Course, of course, of course, of course. It's after five. <laughs> Full visual. Exactly. Like, what is it's after? Like, what are you what are you talking about? I'm wearing a tie. I'm wearing a tie Jeez. for God's sake, right? So clearly, put two and two together, make four. Wow. And I'm not saying that people who don't wear ties shouldn't be. No, I'm not, I, no, I'm no, not, no, 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 no. And so don't take no, no. that just for what you said. Yeah, you, you're you're literally telling them, you're showing them, you're physically just from what your experience right then and there. Like the cops can see that they're smart enough to understand and make a you know a realization. Uh, you know they can see that. That's all the visual. Oh, and one thing I did do as well, along with my license, I had I, this is a very key factor. I had my bar card. With my wow. license. Wow. So when they went back wow. to their car, wow. They had they saw my driver's license, my registration, and my my bar card. Wow. Then they came back, and I and they you know when officer the other officer stayed by the car, the other officer took my information, came back to my car. Um, I asked him why was I pulled over, and he said because you were speeding, right? But slow down and you know go about your day wow i didn't i didn't immediately i didn't immediately turn away g- g- pull off i literally waited until they drove off and i saw them in a distance go in another direction cuz i'm still shaking and i yeah. didn't want no more yeah. funk with them yeah and all i can ivory's on the phone the entire time and all i can tell her and she's crying and all and all i can tell her is i'm coming home wow so I know I took a little detour, but I just oh, wanted no, to you, kind of paint the scene. Yeah. Even in that sense, I, I, I threw out everything I knew about legal, but my legal training. Yeah. I just wanted to get home, but I knew I did think. Sometimes I wonder if I didn't hand up my my bar card, would they ask me to get out the car? Because that's the one wow. thing I did. I didn't want to get out the car, not with their attitudes. And I'm asking right. the entire time to calm down, right? I'm saying, can you please just calm down? But I wonder if I didn't have my bar card, would they have told me to would they pull me out the vehicle? Only, only because you mentioned the part they had their gun out, and there's a part in the movie, you know, just as far as there was a mention in the movie that kind of surprised me that they said we're taught not to de-escalate. So when the gun is out, 
usually they have an intent to use or it's going to get down. You know what I mean? So the fact that your gun was out, I don't think I've ever been pulled over and the gun was out. You, you ever been pulled over, uh, Rob, and they had the gun out on you? or Been pulled over but haven't had a, a gun drawn on Yeah, me. yeah, because that's, that's a whole different level right there. Because yeah. that's, I couldn't, that's what I'm saying. I couldn't even, bruh. Not not the gun. Now I'm a, I'm a trip trip, but I mean, at the same time you want to survival, you want to get home. But like he said, like Link told his son, you do what they tell you to do. And like I've given out my business card before when I get my license, or you know, I let them know like, hey, this is who I work for. I'm low key on your side. For you know, what I mean, like, listen, I'm a friendly. I may not be an officer, but I mean, I'm on your. You know, like, hey, I'm not a threat. So it's it's messed up. We have to come off like that. And we have to present right. ourselves like that, you know. Um, but how shameful is it that you got to do that, though? That's what I'm saying. Like that's that's, that's inhumane. It is. It's, it takes out the, the humanity it out does. of you. Like I have to prove to you, it does not to kill me, Bruh. not to treat me Bruh. subhuman. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous because guess what? If Sad. I, if somebody didn't have a business card, if somebody wasn't dressed in a in a Sad. in a tie, if somebody didn't have a bar card, bruh. You you're done. So what you you're gonna pull them out the car gonna, and be aggressive? You're I, gonna be I, aggressive. You're gonna probably arrest them. You're gonna probably put them on a curve, make an example, look at them, you know. Even but even with these things too, that chance is still there. But they don't care. No. You but you have to survive. But you have to go through it. So it's like getting hazed. It's like going through a, a a procedure or something like that. You know, just at the end of the day, you want to come home. So okay, yes, you want me to lie in my belly? Okay, cool. I'll you take know? it. Dang, I'll take it. Whatever I got to do because I just want to go home. Bruh. And the, the, the sad part about it is, is they don't care how it makes you feel because honestly, no, no. as a human, I can never put somebody through, through something like that just for just because I still get triggered to this day. I, a couple years after, like maybe four or five years after that, I was pulled over and driving home in my and I live in a very nice area, and um, I was pulled over at night. And I remember my hands were shaking on the wheel because I was, it was like 12 o'clock in the morning. It was dark. And my mind immediately went back to that scenario wow. of the guns pulled out. And I think the officer saw my, my hand shaking on the steering wheel. Wow. And he was like, I'm just going to let you go home. Wow. It's a white mm-hmm. officer. And, and, but the fact of the matter is I shouldn't have, I wasn't doing anything no. wrong. Right. I wasn't doing anything right. wrong. And I was, right. I was, Scared. I was scared because I was a dark road. I was like, and all I can think about is like, oh God, here's where it happens. Like I'm about, I'm about to be, something's about to happen. It's a dark road. Um, there's no lights. There's no witnesses. And I'm literally just a sitting duck. And it's, it's completely dark. And all I can do is like, and I'm just thinking about my life at that moment. I'm, all I'm doing is thinking about my life. Our life is in their hand. If they're having a bad day, and guess what? We're going to all have a bad day. You know, it's just, it's crazy. And it's, it's messed up. We have to come off as a human being. We have to show them, hey, I'm, I'm a human. I have a name. I have a family. You kept your, your wife on the phone. And you know what I mean? Like, I'm connected. Like, you have to see me. It's messed up. Why do we have to convince Leos, you know, law enforcement officers, that we are actually human beings? See me as a human. That's that's the the, the whole basis. It shouldn't be that way, but it is, you know? Um, Kamara, you, you mentioned that you live in a nice suburban neighborhood. Yeah. You know, quality, quality, quality su- suburban neighborhood. Low key. Um, yeah, yeah, low key. Uh, here in the Charlotte area, I also live in a quality suburban neighborhood. Yeah. Um, Howard, 
same thing, yeah. you know, live in a quality suburban area. Um, That's where I get pulled over the most. We all, we all worked very hard to put our families mm. in those areas. Yeah. And we're, we're one of keep everyone safe. We want to keep our families safe. We want to keep our wives and our, and our children safe. And, but it's, it begs the question, are we ever really, do we ever really feel safe? No, sir. (laughs) Do we ever really feel safe to this day? You know, I like my neighborhood. I really do. I really, my wife and I talk about all the time. We feel we have a certain level of comfort in our neighborhood. But I still know there can come a day where somebody, you know, still just sees another black man. And like in the movie, what are you doing in this predominantly white neighborhood? Yeah. It's almost a sense of security. It does. It does. So um, I I like to run outside. I like to run around my neighborhood, get some quality uh, cardio, get my cardio in and everything. Talk about this. And I make a point to say hello and wave. Yeah. I do the same when I go running. Y'all know that, you know, I'm a naturally, you know, friendly guy and everything. Of course. But it's not just about that. Yep. It goes deeper than that. I'm waving and I'm smiling because I'm letting you know, hey, look at me. Look at my face. I'm not a threat. I live here. I'm, a I'm not a threat. I'm a friend. Y'all know me. Yep. That's so shameful. Y'all know me in this neighborhood. Y'all know me. I Y'all sworn, know my car. I could have sworn. Not Y'all know long, what my son looks like. Not too long ago, Rob. Didn't somebody get shot for jogging in the old neighborhood or jogging in the neighborhood? Yeah. Hmm. In where? Hmm. In Georgia. Hmm. Oh, yeah. 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 Hmm. Exactly. Shot down. Exactly. Killed. Exactly. Um, you know, so, you know, I make a point to let them know, hey, this is me. This is my son. This is my family. Um, so if, God forbid, you do something, you see something going down, right. and you may see a cop have me pinned up right. on the car, you will come out of your home, leave that black man alone. Yep. Wow, Rob. I know him. Dang. I know him. He he is a quality member of this neighborhood, a quality citizen, American. Regardless of what your political views are, I don't care if you're a Republican, Democrat, who you, what you believe in, you can still say, hey, this is a quality man right here. Leave him alone. I need you to do that for me. And that's why I wave and I smile when I run around the neighborhood. To, try to connect. Exactly. Yeah. Friendly Negro. almost. You, you know, know what I was thinking wow. about, Rob, as you were describing it? I was thinking about the... It's almost like a racial trauma that we have with law enforcement. Mm-hmm. And just not law enforcement, just with policing. Um, and policing can come in different ways. Policing in the neighborhood can come from neighborhood watch, right? It can come from neighbors just watching you, doing things, whatever. But the racial trauma that we have as a people to where we feel like we have to do things that other people don't even have to think about in order to keep us safe. And it's tiring. It's exhausting. You know, it's exhausting. And I don't know. I don't know where that came. I mean, I don't know when it started, but I know it's always been with me. 
and I know it's been with us with our fathers and our father's fathers. You know, and I, I just I can I can believe that it started with the slave codes and obviously everything everything goes back to racism. Goes back to the slavery rather. And but it's this instinctual thing that we all carry as a people that no one really ever talks about. It's embedded within our DNA to have a trauma, a ra- a racial trauma of violence. Expect expectation of violence upon our bodies and upon our people. Wow, that is something that's really, really it's an indescribable feeling. Walking, waking up every day, knowing that for no other reason, something could happen to me based on the color color of my skin. Yeah, yeah, and so getting back to the movie, so. In American Skin, um, another scene that stood out to me was when the they had taken over the police precinct, yeah. and um, the negotiator calls the precinct and calls um, Nate, yeah. and he says, "What do you Nate want?" Parker. Nate Parker, the- right? He calls Nate Parker, and he and the negotiator says, "All right, buddy, what do you want?" What, what 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 can we get you to end this situation? Huh. I want my son back. Right. right. No, but I want my son back. Yep. No, I want my son back. So that told me that he, he has already in his mind, I think I kind of figured out the ending at that point. He he knew he know he as a veteran, let's keep in mind he was a a, a veteran of the military, U S military. And in his mind, he knows what he's doing. He knows what he has done. And he says, I want my son back. And there's not no amount of money, nothing you can do to change that. So he's, he's right or die at this point. He, he knows I'm most likely not going to make it out of here alive. And so fast forward to the mock trial that they were doing. And he finally, so there's a scene where he goes back and forth with the arresting officers and he finally gets the officer to break down and says, yes, I profiled you. God damn it. I, I profiled you. Yes. And, and then he gets him to break down further and says, I didn't mean to shoot your son. I didn't mean to. And he said, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And he's crying profusely. Nate Parker has the gun drawn at his head. Crazy how it took a, a gun to be drawn at his head for him to break down and right, crying profusely right, and have right. his, his wife, the officer's wife and child on the phone Facts. for him to break down and understand where Nate was coming from finally. And Nate didn't shoot him. And then I got the impression that through all this, all Nate really wanted was he knew he knew he wasn't going to get full justice. So all he really wanted was for his this man, this officer, to say, "I'm sorry, I was wrong." Now, Kamar, in previous discussions, we you've mentioned that you looked at this a little differently of what the intentions were from Nate. Yeah, I I, I do, but before I get to that part, um. There was also another scene in the movie that I thought was really, really interesting 
when it was another the other officer in that movie uh, was describing to how he felt black people operate in this world, mm-hmm. and almost like it, we bring it upon ourselves, right? And, and um, oh, I remember now. Yeah, okay, like it was a, it was it was wild, oh, right? So yeah, yeah. You know, let me let me see if I hold on. Uh, let me see. Is this this the scene here? It was it was a scene where. No, not the. No, hold on. Yeah, I got it. I think here it is. Hold on. An officer can use judgment, but is that the law? Or do you just make it up as you go? No. We don't. You see, nobody knows what our job is like. Twenty four seven. Get the bad guys. And we can all sit here and pretend all we want that that all the blacks that get killed are killed by police and that they're all unarmed and that they're all good people and that they're all just, you know, I don't know that the cops are the only ones running around trying to kill them, but it's not true. Couldn't be further from the truth. Everyone knows the statistics on black on black crime. How many blacks are killed in a year by other blacks? They don't put those numbers in the news. Do you have the statistics on whites killing whites in a year? Or Chinese killing Chinese? <laughs> whites and the Chinese aren't the ones cramming the prison system. They also weren't the ones brought over here like property. Hundreds of years ago. And what does that have to do with anything that we're talking about? You don't find it interesting that the people brought over here in chains are still in chains? No. No. I don't. Mm. Okay? The slavery thing is a fucking cop-out. It happened. Get over it. It ain't my job to make sense of it. It's my job. It's our job to get the bad people off the street. Black, white, whatever color. Systematic violence and terror aimed at one group of people, and you just said, get over it. Would you say that about the Holocaust? Or women's rights? It's not the same. Those are different. The things women have been through in this country, in the military, on the force. Are you supporting his side? I'm supporting my side. I'm a cop, and I dare anyone in here question my loyalty to that. But I'm also a woman, a Latina woman at that. So I know how things in the past affect things happening now. I can see that, you know, for women and definitely for the Holocaust. But for them? Why is it so hard for you to empathize with black people? Because you guys make it hard. That's more of that racist shit right there. No, that. That's the fucking problem. That's the problem in this country. Anytime someone speaks the truth, they're labeled a racist. Let me tell you something. The KKK is racist. Nazis are racist. So the only people that can be racist are those that are in the KKK or the Nazis. Anybody else, anybody else, by default, is cool, is what you're saying. I mean, like, fuck, even right now, I feel like I might say the wrong thing. And I'm not racist. I know that. I don't see color. You colorblind? (laughs) You know what I mean. I'm just saying, you said you colorblind. I mean, I don't treat people differently based on the color of their skin. Any one of these guys will tell you that. I've had partners of all colors. And, and, you know, frankly, I haven't met many racist cops. We have a black captain, for Christ's sakes. Meaning what? Meaning that it's fucking impossible for us to be racist. Impossible? That's like saying it's impossible to be sexist because you're married to a woman. Mm. Programming is programming. When a person buys into a system or a culture that teaches that racism, that dominance, that person, if they black, they white, 
Chinese, whatever color they are, they're going to proudly reflect that culture in every situation. So what you're saying is that it's possible for a black cop to be racist towards another black, to target him or, or shoot him based on a bias. Hell yeah, you probably shoot him twice. Well, that's <laughs> bullshit! Come on, you guys, you just... No, I'm gone. Say your piece. I'm just saying, you guys want to cry race, but a lot of the things that black people have to deal with is based on the way black people act. Look at hip-hop music. What is, uh, uh, drug the hoe, get the hoe, shoot the bitch, do the, whatever the fuck. What do you expect? And you think I want my daughter to hang around with people that think that way? I mean, let alone come to my house. Hell no! But you literally... I mean that scene goes on, but I, I it was hard to cut off that scene, but it was so many things, right? Yes. Like, like there were so many things happening yeah. in that scene, man. Um, I, you know, it's often a refrain for people who say to devalue Black Lives Matter by saying normal tropes of Black on Black crime or look at what's happening in Chicago. First of all, mm. nobody talks about, or nobody disparages that crime in certain sector of Chicago is bad. Uh, but what we also don't talk about is the socioeconomic conditions that elicit that crime. You know, crime is a direct result of your economic situation, especially certain types of crimes. Uh, number two, black-on-black crime is not a thing. That's not a thing. People kill people. Yeah. Right? Black on black crime right. is just a based off of your relation to proximity. It's yeah. a proximity thing. Yeah. So when people say things like black on black crime, you sound ignorant because what you're saying to me is that you fail to understand the proximity of crime. You're going to kill people who look like you if that's all that's around you. Hmm. People in Idaho hmm. are not killing people, you know, for race. They're killing people around them. <laughs> people in Montana, there's murders in Montana, not because of, oh, I want to kill another white person. It's because that's in relation to their proximity. So when people say things like that, it infuriates me. The other thing that infuriates me, and it was early in the scene, or early in the movie rather, and they tied it in where Back the Blue. Right mm, when yeah. when the mother was giving the you know we're we're saying here, we're here for justice and all that and you see on the side it's it, it, it quick scene it's a quick cutaway of people standing next to them with back the blue yeah that shit fucking infuriates yeah. me because that's real life shit yes it is so the dehumanizing of a black body has come to a point to when somebody says I want justice for my for my son. And when somebody comes back and says, back to blue, wow. you just said a profession wow. is more important than justice for my son. That's like me saying, I want justice for my son. And I say, back lawyers. Only I only, I'm here, back the bar. Right, right. Back <clears throat> the bar. <clears throat> right. right. Because that's what's important. I got to protect the integrity of my profession. Mm. Not that you lost somebody. And that is, the, that is the part of the dehumanizing of black and brown bodies in this country. 
And I hate, I hate when people say shit like blue lives matter. I fucking hate it. And I'll tell my friends who are a law enforcement, I fucking hate it. And not to say that I don't care about the life of law enforcement officers. But right. I, that shit didn't come about. Nobody was talking about Blue Lives Matter exactly. until people said, <laughs> we got to make sure we got to talk about black lives being harmed by law enforcement. And then all of a sudden, Blue Lives Matter shit started pro- cropping up. That's the rebuttal. That's the rebuttal. As if fucking blue is a color for black. Bruh. Black people are are actual living. Blue is a fucking crayon. <laughs> you know, and so there's no such thing as a blue people. Man. So I, I think. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Continue. And so I, I, I'll end it on this. I, when I see things and I hear things like that, it drives me crazy. And I, you see it when you hear the officer, the way he talks about black people and the way he talks about. It's our problems, and we create. We put this on it. He's admitting. He says, "Oh, I don't see race." But what you just did, because that's what they do. They say, "I don't see race," but then they're quick to freaking point out race as being the construct of your own issues. Mm-hmm. It's like talking out of both sides of your mouth. I don't yeah. see race, yeah. but black people are the cause of their own problems. Yes. What the fuck are you it's talking? It's a walking about? contradiction. It's yeah. a walking, walking contradiction. contradiction. Always. And they're okay. America. America has a tendency to like the sports, like the athletics that we love so much to choose sides. You have to choose a side. You must stand on one side of the line and the other side of the line. And, and, and I'm glad you played that clip at the, at the top top half of the um, podcast where you play the young man, the young photographer, when he was in the uh, room with the other jurors. And you could, you could tell he didn't want to just stand on one side or the other. He tried so hard, tried so hard. And I see that in a lot of young people today. I've noticed that they try so hard not to stand on one side of the fence or the other, but, to under to try to just look actually look at it with unbiased lenses. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, Reality. we are so deep, yeah. so deep in this systematic racism and just nastiness in this country that it's so difficult for people to take their bias out of out of context. And just look at the facts and use their heart for humanity. Just what, who is humanity? And so taking it back for our sons, Howard, Kamar, we raise our children good and bad. I know I, I started out by raising my child on this is good, this is bad, this is right, this is wrong. This is how you should view people as well. Okay. That's how I started with okay. my son. Okay. You view them as this is a good person. This is a bad, I don't care what they look like. I don't care. You know, you know, if they're doing things that they're supposed to be doing and doing things that they're not supposed to be doing, try to distance yourself as much from people that do things that you know are wrong. Okay. But now I find myself as he gets older, 
and I can see it happening before my eyes, that gray area starts setting in. The gray area is not, it's not purely right or wrong anymore. That gray, but what about, but if, but like, it's, 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 it's tough. Right. It's tough. And for, for fathers, especially for black fathers, trying to navigate that gray area in teaching our sons, it's, it's extremely difficult. Like, what are your thoughts, Howard? So <clears throat> think about um, that gray area. You're watching movies and a cuss word comes on, a word that you all don't readily discuss. You don't really, you know. But it's a part of the movie's effect, and you know your child has heard it before, but you don't use it in front of them, um, or even a topic, right? Um, but it's it's necessary for whatever you're watching, whatever's happening. And the gray area is, I wonder, okay, how do they think? I mean, do we have a discussion real quick? Oh, hey, let me pause this movie, son, and let's talk about this f word. You know, it's f. You know, do we do that? No, we, we, I don't. You know. Uh, but later on it comes up and I'm like, damn, where did he get that word from? Or something like that. It's like, okay, so there's that right or wrong, but there's other points in time. Like I'm raising a 10 year old. Right. And I want to have certain conversations when it happens, but even backing up what you were just talking about going back forward, I wanted to mention something too. When you were talking about bias and unbiased, like it's so hard for these kids, the, the youth to be one way or the other without having an experience. They can hear us all day long talk about, hey, so this is what happened when I got pulled over. This is what happened when, you know, this is why you don't do A, B, and C, D. But until they actually experience something and feel and within their heart, then it does weigh heavily. They can see, they can, okay, yeah, so-and-so got shot in the streets. So-and-so, okay, George Floyd, okay, Ahmad, or, you know, all these things. But until they actually experience it, I, I think then it means something even more. So that scene with that young man, uh, the the you know the, the photographer or the interviewer, if you will, when he made that decision, he had to have already been able to relate, and he was relating mm. hands on with Link, you know, um, the father. He's he's relating, but even before he put his own personal experiences, his own personal touches. Uh, but it's, it's a shame that we have to actually be that deep within thing, in things. Um, but that, that gray area is something else. There's so many different topics I haven't even started to talk about with my son. So so let's talk about the characterization of that. Um, I guess he, he's, the docu- he's the lead uh, documentary producer, director. Yep. And right. the characterization of him is a person who, he's, as you said, he's younger. He said he's 21. Yeah, 21, I think. Yeah, yeah and um, he's going from it, from trying to do an objective point of view. He feels for the father. Yeah. Obviously, there's mm-hmm. there's a there's a there's a tenderness to way he wants to film the father because he's asking questions, pointed questions, but questions that he really wants to understand what's going on. And as you can see through the movie, he's going through this progression of just mm. he's like experience. It's almost sometimes he's experiencing this pain for the first time. Yes, yeah. You know, he's yeah. shocked at certain revelations. He's shocked at how things turn out. And we talked about in the beginning of this podcast how. Uh, you know, the son, there was an idealism that was stricken from him wow. when his father was trying to tell him about the world. And the same thing you see with this film director. He's has this 
idealism that is almost pulled away from him as the movie progresses. And so he's here's that he admits he's a middle class kid who grew up, yeah. you know, with family and law enforcement, um, believing in the beauty of the American construct. Yep. But then it's the first time in his life he's seeing something and it's jarring for him and it's painful. And I thought that was a really fascinating character. They didn't, they didn't want to get a militant. Right. I think that was, right. really, you know, they didn't get a militant right. to, to to film it. Like, it'd be yeah. different. Yeah, good point. Right? Good point. They didn't want to get somebody to be like, oh, yeah, I'm about that action, boss. Good point. Let's, let's film all right. this. It was like, nah. Middle I, class. It was a kid, just like mm-hmm. most kids. We, relatable. Relatable. Like, yeah. I have my nephew here, and we've talked about it in our own conversations privately, how young people view politics and race. Mm. Like they view it differently. They don't view it like how our generation views it. You know, sometimes they may feel like, oh, we talk too much about that, that black stuff, race stuff. Some things that just don't need to be, it's not always black and white. But I, what I find was fascinating is that as they progress through life, their lens starts becoming a lot clearer and they start seeing that it, well, it actually is, but you're right. There's a tendency to not want to view things on a subsection level of race and yeah. gender yeah. or, you know, even like social issues. Yeah. Right. And I thought that was the point. Again, this is the reason why he was 21 and not a 41 year old filmmaker. Great, great point. You right. Know, wow. and because it was something of, wow. I am trying to, I am the, the Nate Parker opposite who wrote the film yeah. wanted to show the idealism of mm. somebody viewing an incident and experiencing something. Mm. Um, right. You know, so I think that was, that was a very key point. Also, one key point, I'm just a throwaway here. The reason he's, I, I, I think everything's intentional. The reason he's called Lincoln is because you know, obviously Lincoln freed the slaves, but are we really free? Wow, sir, I didn't even see Lincoln Jefferson. Lincoln Jefferson was his full name, right? God, dog it, God, two, dog it. Two presidents. Two presidents. Damn, yep. damn you guys. I Easter egg. Uh. I, I didn't even put that together. <laughs> God. Damn. Aha. Aha. I can't wait to rewatch it. Wow. So, so you know, it's I love stuff like that. Thomas Jefferson, right? Mm-hmm. Lincoln. Boy. You know, we hold these truths that all men are created equal. Are they? Mm. Right. Are are they? Right. Are we really free? Well, he told his son he wasn't. Yeah. You know, and so that I think those are the things where it's very intentional in the approach to this film, which I appreciated. One more aspect of the scenes, and then we can get into another section of this podcast. Um, not the scene, but another some important scenes. What did you think about the the mother being oh. pushed out? Okay, there's mm. a lot it comes with so many things with the mother the mother's characterization, right? Um but right. it was interesting that she was pushed out to do the the uh, the speech, yeah, and, the press conference. And I, we just want peace, and mm-hmm. you know, the friend, the brother, for lack of a better term, he says he makes a point. Actually, let me let me even play that one. Hold up, oh, please. Do. Let me play that. Please do. As we all know, I I lost my son over a year ago. I had to bury my only son. And we did not get the indictment that we hoped for. And justice was not served yet. 
But all we want is peace. That's all we want. So we need to stop the rioting, and we need to stop the violence. Violence took his ass from us. You see, that's how it go. You understand? A cop kill another one of our babies. And people want answers. People mad as hell. They ready to tear shit up. The first thing they do, they put the mom on the TV. That's the way they figure. If a child's mother ain't ready to see shit burn down, then why should anyone else? Shit is diabolical. That was, that was crazy, right? So, but I mean, it's interesting though. So, go ahead. So that's <laughs> to put my business hat on. Yeah. That's just marketing and PR. That's public relations one hundred and one, right? Huh. Right there. Right. Huh. So it's all about the optics. Wow. We need to present. Yep, the optics and the imaging. We need to present this case and we need to calm the people down who is more likely to invoke those internal feelings of calmness the mother. a mother or a father the mother for sure the mother mother wow mother that's 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 just public relations 101 so cuz we saw we saw only a couple scenes before she was just as furious yeah yeah as yeah as um link was as lincoln was she was just as furious but she has calmed down she's kind of settled into her feelings a little bit and the police chief knows this mm. he senses this i'm sure he has the the pr team in his ear saying go you need to get the mom. Oh, let, let's go let's, get the mom. Let's let's do this. How come the police chief goes to the mother and not the father? They're living in separate homes at this point in the movie. Correct. So he doesn't Correct. he doesn't go and go to the father and say we need you to calm everything down. He goes to the mother and for that point it was very aggressive in the way he went to the mother. It was. You know, because mm-hmm. there wasn't any tenderness to it. It nah, was like this I just is what you're going to do. This is what you're going to do. Right. Right? And you know why? You know why? Because that was their only play. That was their only play. At that point, the riots were going off in the street. Wow. The people were protesting. Ish was getting out of hand. Shit was getting out of hand. Right. And their only play I love was how, to get I, the I love warm. Nephew, nephew stood up. Nephew was like, get out of my house. How he kicked him out. The well, here you go. Again, right. again. So so nephew, nephew was just a symbolism yeah. of... Yeah. A male yeah. and how they would have gone on More camp well, and approached I it. I don't want to say a male because well, what I, I don't want what I don't well, want not, to say. Not, because when hold on, hold on. Let me rephrase that. Let me rephrase that. Not not saying all males would have gone on like the nephew did. But just from a sense the the energy and the strength and the power that they invoke yes. would have would have actually added flames in their mind. Again, this is this is from their the PR perspective. If you go to the father, it adds flames to the fire. So I'm going to push. He back will on not de escalate, but he will escalate. I'm okay, gonna, I'm going to push back on that because what I would say is that number one, it was three black women who started Black Lives Matter. Number one, so mm-hmm. women, so women do take up. They are the for a lot of times in the movement, they are the tip of the spear. Okay, um, and so okay. I don't want to sit there and say that men are the ones who naturally are the you know, aggressive. What I, what I want to say is that 
I just think it was a very interesting how Nate Parker chose that as a characterization. But I will say but there are black women who are just as forceful, yeah. just as loud, just yeah. as and, and just as powerful, if not more so. And so that's the only thing I would push back on that. Good that's point. In the, in the perspective, okay. the perspective in the eye of the law enforcement officer, though, when you're comparing the mother to any male energy and nephew, if you will, was younger. He was more identifiable toward the son that was killed, so it hurt him more. So he he, he gave a voice for the dead. That's what it was. He gave a voice for the yeah. dead. And that's why it was so important for that to happen because it was like, okay, this is how we always, we, we want to talk and express our pain to these officers who come up in our crib and try to tell us what to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, like, bruh, I'm mad at you. I don't care what you're saying, if you're making sense, but my voice right now, this is what is happening. The dead can't speak. I'm going to speak for him. So it was almost like that. And he was young. He was, you know, energetic and it was just, it needed to be heard. It wasn't always necessarily right. What he said, it was hurtful, but it was real. It was real. I, I, and that's, I, and that's, you know what? Go ahead, I'm sorry. Maybe, maybe you're right. I think you both of you all made very good points. So maybe the PR move is on a case by case basis, yeah. on a situational basis, right. where you say, "All right, who 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 do we have here? We have you know this mother, and we have um, Lincoln Jefferson here, a right. former Army veteran, war veteran." Um, yeah, think, let's yeah. go with the mom. Right. Yeah. Who do you think I'm going to be able let's to go with the mom? Right. Yeah. Because look at where there you go. So there may be cases, there may be cases where the mother has, you know, her maternal instincts yeah, are stronger yeah. Oh, yeah. and she may be more forceful and they go to a more subdued father. So yes, you're right. I would, I would, I'll take back my original statement and say it's probably more, for PR purposes, more on a case by case situational basis. Okay, let me tell you, Ivory. Let me tell you what Ivory. <laughs> I, see, Ivory's quiet to people. She's quiet to people. Mm-hmm. But that ain't At no home? that ain't no mouse. <laughs> In fact, <laughs> Ivory is usually yes. the, she's usually the one where wow. I have to calm her down. Wow, right? You always mm-hmm. say that. Yeah. I, I listen. Ivory's yeah. the one. I, I'm gonna. I have to calm down. Calm her down because she's ready to fire off wow. on people. Wow. Right. And so if it was an unfortunate from that situation, they would probably have to come to me right? and be like, I need you to give this speech because I read what she will let them know. <laughs> and yeah. she might. And so yeah. that's what I think about. Like, I just think about in my household, I might be the one where I'm going to have to be the, the, the one where they have to speak to and say, can you give a message? First of all, I'm not saying I would do that. Yeah, of course. Of you know, because I was like, right, I, right. I might be like, let the motherfucker burn. Right, right. You know, right, but right. if we're going to compare who do you think you're going to yes. get more run with, right. they probably would look at me like he will get more run with, with Kamara than with um, Ivory. I thought it was interesting, though, that this is the first time we got introduced to the Black Chief. Mm-hmm. Because you mm. notice he wasn't in the scene when they announced mm. the charges. That's a good point, bro. So they used him, wow. yeah, as almost like token, work, token to get him to to broke broker peace. Of course, of course. You know, this wasn't almost a friendly. I think they even painted he's a friend of family. They he, they already know each other. Low Did key. They? I don't know. I, I felt like there was some sort of nah. I don't think there was a relationship okay. there. I, I, I don't I, think. I was so dist- I, I felt like there could have been. Okay, yeah. but but bypassing all of that, but just the fact that black person speak to another black person. I've been in that that position for years in my mm-hmm. professional. Oh well, you can speak to the blacks because we don't know how to necessarily relate. Right, you will. 
And that was my job. I got, you know what I mean? And I, and I hated that, but I swallowed it. And I knew what they were doing, but I benefited. And I, you know, but one thing we didn't say, and I'm surprised nobody said in these aspects, what about when the family, whether it's mother or father, what's the worst possible scenario? Oh, I apologize. Or I, I, you know, I forgive so-and-so, so-and-so for killing my son. I forgive, you know, I just want to give them a hug. You know what I mean? That, I don't know about y'all, but that aspect, when they promote that stuff and they have people in front of microphones and interviews and they got the people's parents of who just lost their loved one and they're out there forgiven, I, I, I understand. Okay, great. But it's like day, the next day. I hate that shit. God. I hate that shit. Yeah. I hate that shit. I'll be honest yeah. with you. Like, it's just like, I, I hate it. I I hate how, Son. like, he says it. like, we're always the ones, I didn't, I didn't cue up the scene, but I, there's a part where it said, we always are the ones who have to do peace. Right. It's always, um, right. it's always us that always have, mm. that always has to do, you know, um, that always de-escalate, de-escalate and, and make it, peace. After the trauma happened to us. After the trauma. And you know what's interesting, what I thought about that was, because he says, Lincoln says in the movie, I've seen it. When white people are angry, they don't choose peace. They choose violence. Mm-hmm. Now think about what happened mm-hmm. at the Capitol. January 6th. January 6th. 2021. When they didn't like some shit in a fair election, Bruh. they wanted to tear shit apart. And even still, that wasn't even the worst of it because I honestly believe that wasn't even the real shit. That was a kind of a test run. Where was back to blue? Yeah. Right. Where and was so, back to blue? you know, they were ready to insert, get, uh, provide insurrection because they didn't like. They had zip ties, son. Right. At, Done. They were ready. They were ready. To, they were ready for violence. And so that scene was especially pointed to me because I'm like, that's a bar. That's a bar. And they should, they, they purposely, they purposely did not. Um, it, choose, they, they purposely did not re- eliminate the part where he's saying white people choose violence when they are dis- they when they are discouraged. Yep. But we are the ones who are supposed to to turn the other cheek, and this also relates to Christianity and slavery, right? Because that's the whole thing of mm-hmm. you know is it does that's a later another podcast, but does Christianity when it was given to for especially for black folks during slavery. It was done as a, as a means of control I, rather than a vehicle of real faith. I, I just want to say I've been to Ghana, I've been to Africa, and I've been to the slave castle, and they had a whole chapel right there where the point of no return. When you go on them slave ships, they got the whole, whole, what did I just say? Chapel sitting right there. These folks are having church while you're getting shipped off to the land and never to be seen again. That, I'm not going to say anymore. I mean, that's another pocket. We can get, yep. we can rock into that. Yes, um, so. All right, so listen. All right, we we've talked about a number of different scenes in the movie. I don't think there's anything else. Um, if you can include that, if you can go back and, and play, I'm not sure if you can. Re- I'm not going to do that. Yeah, not right now. <laughs> I'm just saying. I don't I'm know. not going to do that. I don't I'm, know technology. Yeah, right yeah. Now I'm not. I'm, we, we, we're just going to let it rock. But yeah. what one of the thing I did want to talk about though, um, Rob, was the concept of of brotherhood. Mm-hmm. Because again, this is reason another reason why I wanted y'all to be on here because you and I, and, and you know, I, I hope I know where you're going. But go ahead, please. Yeah, you and I, we've talked about it, and you know, Howard, I know we've talked about it, and I think all, we've talked about it collectively just how 
the importance of brotherhood and raising each other and keeping each other accountable. And I thought it was very interesting how Link's friend says, yeah, we're not related. No, but that's, that's my brother though. Yeah. You know, and how he's willing to go to the ends. No question. You know, he looked at, he looked at Link's son as my son, you know? And I think that was, that was a beautiful bond that I really think that shows how, yeah, how black men really look at each other, right? Especially, for, I know for us. He couldn't have done it by himself. He couldn't have done it he by himself. He couldn't have done that whole thing by himself. Like, no. he had his brothers come. Oh, my. I mean, that whole scene, just knowing that he had more than one. You he, had know? A, he had a he had a, a, a family. A family, real talk. He had a family. Mm-hmm. What happened when old boy got shot? He, his, uncle. his uncle. He goes to We All We Got. Yeah. It, it, in 2021, I feel a sense of pride more than ever in my lifetime of we all we got. Like I can't rely on the quote unquote outsiders. Like I'm here for you and I need you to be here for me. And you know, band of brothers, band of sisters, we all have to come together. It, It goes back to what our ancestors raised us on is that that sense of family, wow. that sense of community, yeah. um, you know, uh, Lincoln keeping Kajani's friend on the on the line yeah, yeah, while right. he broke that's it down right. for him. It's the sense of community. It's yeah. the sense of family. It's yes. the it takes a village yes. to raise just one of our children, not let alone all of our children. Yeah. Um, you know, and and I take heavy pride in that. I know I, I love being a black man. And I love my culture. I love my culture. And I will be there for you. I will be there for anyone else that tries to defend our culture. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, to, to that point, add to it, not only do I love our culture and love just black people, but I'm very protective over our culture. I'm very protective over you guys. I'm protected yeah. by over, right. over all my family, you know. No doubt, no doubt. You know, I'm, I'm very, I, I'm, I make sure I defend it and I rock with it and I do whatever I can to ride with it, and I think that is something that I thought it was a beautiful point in the scene. Now, you asked me a few minutes ago, probably a while ago, what did I think the overall objective of Lincoln was? Right. I believe everything was intentional for him to show the world because think about it. How quick does it take to organize something like that? Mm-hmm. You know, so he always knew they were not going to get the indictment. I, I think that's really the sad part about it. I, there was no surprise in him. It was, uh, he was angry. Yeah. He was angry, but he wasn't shocked. Sometimes we confuse the two being anger, being angered by something doesn't mean you were shocked. You just don't like that. The shit happened. Am I am I right about that? Yeah, yeah. I, I want, yep. so I want, I'm, I'm waiting for you to dig deeper, though. But go, go ahead. I'm hearing you. But. So, I believe okay. that Lincoln and everybody knew what they had to do, and so his point was, I want to show the world how fucked up this this shit is, and that's why he was like, "Bro, yes, go ahead." That's why he, keep filming. Keep filming. Whatever you do, keep filming. 
You know, that's why mm-hmm. he was like, he was very much open. Cause you don't think other people wanted to interview him, but I think he was very pointed about, I wanted a, someone to document. It was a written testimony or a video testimony of what was going to happen. From the beginning, when he first met the interviewer and yes. he said, I would like to see, you know, you know, he was like, well, who will see this? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, maybe a small film. They may like it, may not, whatever it may be. But he his peak, his he got excitement, not maybe excitement, but he, he got interested when he said something like, well, maybe people can see it. The world. The world can see it. He's oh. Wait a minute. Yeah, you see his brain. You see when, his brain. That's when it clicked. His brain kind of like goes into a. He goes off side eye, and he's like, "Huh, okay." And that, it was like he's processing the information, right? You know, and I thought that was very key. Like he knew from the very beginning, it was never about the law enforcement because he said, "I don't remember." He said, right. I, "I didn't know if they were going to convict." Right. That wasn't the whole right. point. Right. I, right. What I wanted to do was drive our conversation because guess what? He remember in the mm-hmm. conversation he kept saying, even with the officers. He was like, no, no, keep going. I want to hear what you got to say. Everybody has a voice. Everybody Everyone has a voice here. I want to hear here. what you got to say. He didn't say, yo, shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. I, 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 that, that, that was key to me, too. I was wondering why. Oh, he just let him speak. So that that's furthermore. He, he knew wow. the whole wow. point of it was not to get a confession out of the officer right, right. was to mm-hmm. was not even to get him to see. Oh, I feel I feel for you. I feel for you now. It was I want to show the world. And it was a bigger. That was the. That was the platform for him to do that. And he was ready to accept his death. Put them boys on trial. Boy. That's what he and, was, and accepted. Trial. To your point, to your point, yes, I wholeheartedly agree. That was the primary objective. Yeah. 100%. That's why the film ends with them showing the young man sending the, uh, the DVD copy right. out and right. implying right. that he's ready to release it to the world. Right. That was the primary objective. I do believe he also had a secondary objective. And that's what I was alluding to earlier. Um, Earlier, when they first raided the police precinct, he pulled the officer that shot his son into an interrogation room. He wanted him to admit it right there and and see he wanted to see the pain and wanted that officer to feel the pain that he felt yeah, right yeah, then yeah, and there. Yeah, yeah. But the officer couldn't understand. No. He didn't get it. He needed to feel him in his shoes. He needed to switch roles. N- now, let's fast forward. Yep. Now, let's fast. He's like, okay, he doesn't get it yet. Okay. Okay. Let's proceed with the plan. Right. I gave him a chance. Yeah. I gave okay. him a chance. Okay. Yes. Wow. Let's proceed with the plan. Wow. Now we get to the mock trial. We get to the to the um, verdict in the mock trial. They found him guilty. He's got the gun pointed at his head. He's on the phone with the the officers on the phone with his wife and his child, and, and he gone. breaks down. Wow. And and in Lincoln's mind, ha ha! Now you got now it, you motherfucker. It. Now you understand. Now you feel it. Now you get it. And so, yes, I agree with you. His primary objective, yes, was to release for the world to see. That was the primary objective. But I think that this was a secondary objective as well. You need to understand how it felt to take my son. I'm going to make you feel how it feels to have your family. You're about to be taken from your family. See, watch, Mm -hmm. and know that you're not coming home to them. Yep. Yep, and you have no idea whether I'm going to go with it or not, but it's going to seem really real. But at least he lived. Yep, bro. So 
I think that when you look at that entire scope of it, yes, it was a secondary, it was a secondary objective. And, but I wonder if he was, if he had counted on the fact that he was never going to see the humanity in his son. Right. You know, uh, and, that, and, and, and so I, I wonder if it was never for him to always like he, he wasn't relying on that, you know? And right. So, he, I mean, I, I think he thought he was going to walk out of there. Like I thought he was going to walk out of there, you know, alive. I don't think he, he, he no, I, I, I no. don't, I don't know, bro. He, he you, you, you don't, thought nah. you don't do something like that and think, what I'm saying is no. when he's literally walking out, everybody else is walking in front of him. I'm going to kill that noise. Can we, go ahead. Okay. You know why? Uh, what, what I'm saying, at that moment, okay, I mean, he, he got to the point where, yeah, the trial went through, the, the, the other guys who were in prison, they go back to their prison. You know what I mean? But the, the, they release the cops. All right? So, but I'm thinking in my head, I don't feel, I didn't feel like, I don't feel like he thought he was going to die at that moment. I you know didn't why? think. How come? He's a military man, right? Yeah. He understands... You know, making sure he got to blend in or anything like that. Why did he wear a red hat? Shut up, bro. He wore a red hat. Mm. He knew that that I'm just I'm, when I walk out, I'm going to be target. a target. I'm wearing a red hat on my head. You won't be able to confuse me with anybody else. Damn. He wasn't wearing a red hat prior to Son. that. And that that's that's stuff that military men do. God. So he knew God. he was not going to survive that shit. Damn, and he was he was reticent to that fact. He was like, "I'm I, I can I can I can die now yeah. because there's no life for him at this point. Uh, he has that's no true. He that's has true. no life. Yeah, I, you know? I, I literally had hope that you know no. I didn't I didn't see him. I didn't in my nowhere in my head. I, I, I was so surprised and so shocked. I know I didn't see that coming at all. I didn't even think. Especially like that, yeah. Because the guy who the, the enlightened officer, the enlightened officer. Oh no no no! I'm look. Hey hey, you guys. He's unarmed. Yeah yeah yeah. He's right behind Kill me. Kill that shit. That, no no no. Damn, that's bro. not the reality that, of life. That I, I and had, he knows that. I had a whole. Uh, I needed a whole day to process after that scene. I was I was done. I was like after all of that, everything was dealt with intentionality in this film, and to the point where the last fi- fi- part in the scene, uh, in the movie. Was when they're talking about him and the tragedy, and then they move on. Hmm. They move on so quickly to oh, the yeah. point to the point where they oh. move on to this. What's is, on sports? Yes, oh, but here's bro. the thing: what, how do they describe this? How do they des- mental? No, how did yeah, that's mental? But what do they they the man went on to describe the? We just got to talking about the death of one black body. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But now they move on to six nine. They, they start describing his physical characteristics. Oh, bro. Right? So I, I was, I, yeah. So I was, they go. It, it goes on to like how they view us, and it's we're so we're just a number. And it was. I think that was the whole point. And so actually, I hope I, 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 you guys don't know that I'm doing it. Everything is real time, guys. So I wrote a poem this morning. Okay. All right. I haven't read it out. I don't even know if it's any good, but. I'm all about organic. Yeah, so we're going to go ahead and just rock with it. I haven't even read it out loud. It could be really fucked up, but here we go. If it's terrible, can we tell you? You can tell me if it's terrible. (laughs) (laughs) As I wash over the pain, understanding what our black bodies mean to you, who are we? What are we? 
That is a question I want answered, but which I feel no reply. You see, this question is not brought upon you because I am confused. No, this question is to help alleviate your confusion. Our body's nothing but symbols to you. Whether that symbol is commerce, pain, or entertainment. That is who we are. That is what we are to you. I came to this hearty conclusion when I see it over and over again and many easily move on from the black death of one another. Their names start to string ring hollow like a fallen log in a forest full of greenery. Does death really count if nobody's around to video record it? Does death really mean anything if nobody's around to see it? You read a lot of statements like black on black crime or look what's happening in Chicago. Like it's some number to help you lodge away our humanity. Our bodies are only good if we shut up and dribble, shut up and rap, shut up and sing, shut up and dance, shut up and act. But whatever you do, please just shut up. Oh, look, another black body is killed. I wonder if Travis Scott is going to drop another album. Yeah. Oh, no, another black, another police beating has occurred. Do you think LeBron will win another ring? Oh, man, Khalif Browder was held hostage in jail for three years without a hearing for allegedly stealing a backpack. Mm. I really hope Drake's new album is fire. Mm. Bodies cast away, thrown away, disregarded, disrespected, dismissed. But it doesn't matter, though, because only a few bad apples are responsible for such an unfortunate situation. I am not the problem. I am not the issue, after all. I don't see color. Mm-hmm. I just see black bodies. Damn, bro. Wow. Wow. Right. There it is. We got a great job. We got a great job, that bro. One, that was, that was, that was, yeah. Yeah. That was exceptional. So I wrote that this morning. Wow. Um, <clears throat> if you don't mind, I wanted to end on that. If that's cool. Sure. I think we've got all the grit yeah. on the bone <laughs> on this movie. We went, we went over, but I, I felt like this movie des- deserved it. Right. Um, so, you guys have any final thoughts? I'm gonna give you all any final thoughts, Rob. Um, I'll, I'll just close out by saying that you know i I pray every day, and I and I live with hope that my son will see a more clarified America, uh, a more open-minded America, a more understanding America. And hopefully my teachings to him, his community's teachings to him, his, his culture that, you know, he will live in an America where he doesn't have to walk with such weight and such pain and such fear as I have at points in my life. So that's where my my hope and my prayers go. Hmm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> I just want to say that, uh, of course, you know, I'm honored to even be here and having this, this discussion. I literally found out yesterday we were even going to do it. Um, that's so, how podcasts go, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, and I, I appreciate it. And I, you know, I love surprises, you know, and the fact that it was such a meaningful one, um, and it incorporated with my birthday, you know what I mean? It just, it just enhanced, you know, 
Um, but the key words I wanted to just, you know, some of the few takeaways, um, I'm glad you brought up brotherhood because being on here with you, uh, Kamar, with you, Rob, you know, um, nephew Malik in the building, you know, just observing my son in the other room, you know, that brotherhood right there, you know, that there's that brotherhood, there's that community. Um, and I love that that was displayed in that movie, you know, uh, Omari Hardwick, you know, our frat brother played Omar. Um, the fact that he was on his last leg cancer patient, if you will, you know, his uncle got shot during the movie and his uncle was like, you know, Hey, no, I don't want to, you know, keep me in the game coach. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm living now. Um, I need to see this through that brotherhood was, was displayed. Another thing going beyond brotherhood now, um, which we're seeing real time is the sisterhood. The women are stepping up. They're backing, you know, they've been Kamala. stepped up. They, 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 they've been stepped up. Let me, let me re- thank you. They've been stepped up and we're just now like recognizing and congratulating. But the fact is they, they continue to step up. We wouldn't be in this position if they hadn't stepped up women. The sisterhood is, you know, we're, we're trying to, you know, it's just huge. And the more we compete, not compete, but the more we come together and work together, the better I see that, you know? Um, but I, I just appreciate what's happening in the world politically. Um, but when it comes to brotherhood, sisterhood, community, when it comes to, that village, you know, creating that village. These are all takeaway words. The word culture, you know, um, I, I, I see improvement, but I, it's going to be a constant fight. I always hate that we have to save the world. We are the superheroes. We are Marvel. We are DC, but I hate, we always have to do that. I just continue wanting to, you know, I know we got a battle. We can't give up. But uh, it's just the fact that I sometimes just want to walk away from certain certain struggles. Um, the Civil War, it's not necessarily our fight, but I know we know what buttons to push, what needs to be said, what needs to be done. But it takes other people to also understand and, and buy in to what's going on. We can't be responsible to to save the world all the time. That's I'm done, you know. Um, but that's all. I just want to say it's an honor to be a part of this, and I appreciate, you know, uh, the whole thing. And that was a great poem, by the way, bro. Uh, it's all good, man. Uh, hey, we, we, lo- we love you. I love you. <laughs> and uh, listen, on that note, uh, we're going we're gonna to ride out. So thank you guys for listening to the Uncultured Bias podcast. Remember to subscribe. I hope you guys – and share. Subscribe both on Apple and, Podica- uh, Apple and Spotify. And, uh, you know – Speaking of brothers, I want to also highlight my brother, uh, Atiba. He actually has a clothing line, so the Unplugged nice. Art Experience. Um, go on and check on his, his merchandise. It's pretty dope. And yeah. shout out to my grandmother, who actually celebrated her um, 81st birthday yesterday. Yes, yes, queen. Um, yes, queen. Yes. Yeah. 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 Happy birthday, yeah. grandma. And shout out to my friend in Cali, Candice, who also celebrated her birthday yesterday. And I bring her up because she also... Um, has a website where she sells uh, Apple products uh, okay. like covers. So okay. I use that as a uh, promotion for her. Yes. Um, Chic, Chic Geeks, that's C-H-I-C Geeks dot uh, com. You can find that at stuff. So anyway, shout out to everybody. We're going to ride out and uh, thank you for tuning in. So. Okay.